Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. When it comes to climate change, emissions from the vehicles we drive are a huge part of the problem. We've reached a deal with Stellantis to make this Windsor plant and the one in Brampton global leaders on building electric vehicles. Investing in this multi-billion dollar project uh, is because it'll deliver. It'll deliver for workers. It'll deliver. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced a massive investment in electric vehicles, or EVs, on Monday. They're often touted as the fastest way towards a greener future. But these electric cars and trucks run on a battery instead of gas. And making those batteries requires very specific metals. As battery plants are opening in Ontario and Quebec, mining is also set to ramp up in both provinces. But the environmental impact of getting those metals out of the ground is, well, pretty big. I mean, if you have to drive, yes, there's a strong argument for driving an electric car, but you should also think about the destruction, the mining destruction that sort of occurred to build your electric car. Niall McGee is The Globe's mining reporter, and he's going to tell us about Canada's transition into producing these batteries, what the extraction process involves, and whether this is actually good for the planet. This is The Decibel. Niall, it's great to virtually meet you, and thanks for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great to meet you. I love this show. I mean, you're doing a great job. Great job. Oh, thank you. That's always nice to hear. I appreciate that. Um, the federal government is really betting big on, on electric vehicles, it seems, when it comes to helping us hit our greenhouse gas emissions target. They recently set a target of having all new vehicles sold by 2040 to be EVs, electric vehicles. So clearly, we're going to need to build a lot of EVs. What's something that people don't know about the process of building an electric vehicle that they should know? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, there, there's tons. It is pretty complicated and, and tricky. One thing that I was kind of stunned to find out myself researching for a piece recently was that, you know, yes, when you buy an electric car and drive it off the lot, of course, you're not spewing any emissions into the atmosphere. And that's great, right? Versus your gasoline-powered car. But the greenhouse gas footprint to build the electric car is much, much bigger than a gasoline-powered car. And that's because there's a lot more metals, minerals that are going in there that are hard to mine and expensive and heavy and things like uh, lithium uh, and cobalt and battery-grade uh, nickel. And those things are kind of bad for the environment. Obviously, it's mining, right? As much as the industry <laughs> might sort of say that they've cleaned up their act and things are great. I mean, it's just kind of the reality of mining. It's bad for the environment. So yeah, I was stunned to, to find out that the average electric car, you have to drive for 150,000 kilometers to get to the same carbon footprint as you would for your average gasoline-powered regular car. Wow. You would have to drive 150,000 kilometers to kind of make it even then. Yeah, this was from a report last year from an investment bank called Jefferies. And of course, they sort of they took averages and it's going to depend on the exact electric car. But but yeah, it's kind of stunning because there's so much more lithium and cobalt that goes in there. And, you know, they're, they're heavier. 
and that all adds up. And, you know, depending on where the metals and minerals are, are mined, the footprint's going to be greater or less. You know, like a lot of the cobalt, for example, in the world is mined in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is, you know, not really a great place to mine. And environmental standards are looser and emissions are higher. And so, yeah, it's it takes a long time to get back to zero, essentially, for your electric car. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I guess just to kind of put that in perspective, like my car is over a decade old now. I think it's almost 15 years old and I think it only has like 200,000 kilometers on it or something like that. So 150,000 kilometers. That's that's a big distance, right? I mean, you you actually drive way more than me. I only put on <laughs> about 12,000 kilometers a year. So I think I would never be able to burn off or get to zero. But I mean, I guess most people might drive 20, 30,000 kilometers a year. You get there eventually. I mean, I should throw in the caveat that, you know, this figure is kind of startling, but you know, things are improving and every year the mining industry gets more efficient and the mining processes do become, you know, more environmentally sustainable. People are using less water. The the miners are trying to use electric uh, power uh, where they can and uh, wean themselves off of coal, which is still used to power the electric grid in in many countries. I mean, we kind of forget sometimes because Canada is so blessed with renewables, principally hydropower, but, you know, not every country is Canada. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point, though. It might get more efficient as we continue to develop this process. I want to focus in on, on making this battery, though, because this seems to be an important part of the issue. The main minerals involved in electric vehicle batteries are cobalt, lithium and nickel. Can you walk us through some of the challenges with mining these minerals? For Canada, the big challenge is Canada, of course, is known as, a, as one of the world's great mining countries. But, you know, Canada is historically rich in things like gold and uh, copper and, and zinc and nickel. But it doesn't, unfortunately, have a lot of the kind of new age metals and minerals that the electric car industry uh, is dependent upon. So currently there are no lithium mines in Canada. There are no cobalt mines in Canada. Um, there are, of course, plenty of nickel mines, and uh, Canada is a major nickel producer, but the nickel that's mined in Canada is processed for the stainless steel industry. And, um, you know, that's a thing maybe a lot of people don't realize is, is a lot of these, especially these new minerals and metals, they have to go through multiple refining processes, and it's more akin to a, a chemical process than traditional mining. So it's not easy to change the industry overnight. Now in Canada currently, there's a lot of stuff going on that things are changing and there are new projects in the works. And there, there's good reason to believe that the landscape will look a lot different in about, let's say five to 10 years out. Canada is, is really playing catch up and Canada has tried though. And Canada is building a new major uh, lithium mine in Quebec. In, that will probably be in production uh, in about two to three years if everything goes right. Now, that will be a major new source of supply, not only for Canada, but the entire North American market, because the Americans, too, are way behind. Even if we talked a few months ago, I would have said, you know, think of Canada in battery metals, sort of like Olympic 100 meter final. And Canada would be that sprinter that you feel sorry about. They get disqualified for the false start. So um, <laughs> sort of over before it began. But just in the last few months, there's been so much new momentum, new funding, new emphasis from, from politicians that Canada is now in the race. So we are not going to win this 100 meter sprint. 
China basically is like Usain Bolt. If you remember how dominant Usain Bolt was in 100 meters, nobody's going to catch China. But Canada at least is in the race. And that's a really good thing. We're talking about Canada here. I guess where else in the world then are these minerals mined? If we want to look at cobalt, which is one of the key minerals, an astounding 70% of the cobalt is mined in, in the DRC. Which is the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. And, and so, and it's mined as a byproduct of other kind of mining, such as copper mining. But a lot of that cobalt ends up in China because the, uh, a lot of the Chinese companies have control. It's also uh, Glencore, which is a huge uh, Swiss multinational company, has a lot of production there. But when you talk about some of the other elements, lithium, China, again, is strong in lithium. They have a, a lot of primary lithium mines. Australia is very strong in, in lithium. They have, I think, three or four big lithium mines. I guess knowing all of this, knowing how difficult it can be to mine these minerals and how detrimental environmentally as well, why is the Canadian federal government investing in this? I mean, they just allocated $3.8 billion uh, towards the mining industry that digs up these minerals. So if this process is so bad, why are we doing this? The simple answer is Canada has to try. And there's reasons to think that those investments will pay off. Um, the thing about the mining industry is everything happens in an extremely slow time frame. So $3.8 billion sounds like a lot of money, but it, it will probably take a decade for people to see an actual return, return on that money. Um, but there's many, many projects in Canada that are desperate for funding for, for lithium, for cobalt, for, for battery-grade nickel. I was interested myself. I looked at the previous year's federal budget to see how much money they set aside. And you know, it was like tens of millions versus now 3.8 billion. So it's almost like over the course of one year, everyone's woken up to the fact that we have to do something. China's so far ahead. No, nobody wants this, the current situation to um, continue because it's, China historically, of course, has used trade as a weapon. And there's sort of this great fear that China will use these battery metals as bargaining chips um, in, in the future. So people are very keen to make sure that that doesn't happen. So at this point in time, what's already being mined in Canada and, and where is that happening? The simple answer to that is really there's not much being mined that's relevant at the moment. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's no lithium being mined. There's a little bit of cobalt being mined, but it's almost too minuscule to mention. And there's really no battery grade nickel being mined either. Now, the thing that's closest to start fruition is battery grade nickel. And Vale, which is a Brazilian company, is studying basically when and where it will build a nickel processing plant. And it looks pretty certain that this is going to happen. And when this happens, this will be a huge deal for the battery metals industry, because for the first time, you're going to have a plant in Canada that's processing battery grade nickel. And in Northern Ontario, I know we talked a little bit about so steel in Northern Ontario. We also hear about the Ring of Fire. What what is that, and what's the potential there? Yeah, so the Ring of Fire, <laughs> Ring of Fire, the Ring of Fire. Yeah, so there's a lot of mythology attached to the Ring of Fire. I mean, very simply, what the Ring of Fire is is at the very early stage minerals discovery in Northern Ontario. So this is deep, deeply remote uh, bush, for about 550 kilometers north of Thunder Bay. And in 2006, uh, there was a major discovery of nickel and uh, chrome. 
So currently, the hope is that the nickel in the ring of fire can be mined at a profit. Now, there's huge hurdles over whether that actually happens, mainly because there's no infrastructure up there and it's hugely expensive. But there is, there is hope that the ring will be developed. And there's also hope that the governments, both le levels of government, will put in much needed funding to move the ring of fire along. So from your point of view as, as the mining reporter for the Globe and Mail, the main challenges to, to kind of building up this sector, infrastructure and, and funding, would you say it kind of hinges on those things? Well, th th those for sure are two, are two big ones. Having the right to mine is much harder in 2022 than it was even five years ago. Why is that? Well, because rightly so, um, indigenous populations, for example, are be given much more say in what happens to the land which they have territorial uh, rights over. So in the Ring of Fire, for example, there's, I think it's nine to 12 First Nation group groups that need to be consulted and basically need to be on board before development occurs. So the study hasn't actually started yet. They've just taken two years to go, well, okay, we'll do this, you do that. So it sounds like there's not a lot going on right now, as you say, but people must think that this kind of production, this kind of mining in Canada could be big. So is there the potential there, I guess, that you see for this actually to be a substantial industry? Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to lithium, Canada legitimately has a big chance at becoming a player. Now, not a player like China, but maybe a player like Australia. But again, the timelines are far out. We're talking five years out, 10 years out, maybe further. But things like battery technologies, they actually change very quickly these days. So I guess what happens if, you know, we spend all of this money and all this time developing these mines, but then after all of that, the battery technology moves along and we don't actually need them for electric vehicles anymore? Yeah, you know, that's actually a really good point because we're already seeing that a little bit because technology is moving fast and, and people kind of assume that the lithium battery, which currently has lithium, cobalt, nickel, and sort of different percentages, that that will kind of continue as a standard. But we're already seeing a lot of movement. Tesla, for example, in the last quarter said that half of their Model 3 uh, vehicles were, had a different type of battery technology that had no cobalt in it and no nickel in it. So just lithium. So yeah, it's a legitimate worry that by the time new production comes on stream in Canada, that the market, the bigger market will, will have shifted. It's definitely a risk. Is it safe to say there'll always be some kind of use for it? That like, even if we do take the time to develop these kind of mining projects, we will be able to, to sell it in some way? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yes, you're right. I, I guess the shame would be if the big miners do invest in nickel processing plants and the technology shifts in the interim because there will be that lag. But it's a good point because nickel is kind of one of these workhorse metals like copper. It's important to the world. There's always going to be a market. So we've, yeah, we've spent a lot of time talking about the, the minerals needed for the batteries of these electric vehicles. I'd like to just come back to this big idea that we started with, though, Niall, about how good electric vehicles actually are or maybe aren't for the environment. I guess I wonder, is, is there actually an ethical way to drive? I mean, this is an obvious point, but if you really, really serious about reducing your footprint, you don't drive at all, right? You, you, you minimize mm -hmm. how much you drive, you ride your bike, take public transit. I mean, if you have to drive, yes, there's a strong argument for driving an electric car, but you should also think about the destruction, the mining destruction that sort of occurred to, to build your electric car. 
Uh, I think people are kind of uncomfortable with thinking through the full life cycle of, you know, things that they drive around and products that they use. And, you know, it's probably similar to the clothing industry. I mean, I don't know how much people think about the clothing industry and, um, you know, all the waste in the, in the clothing industry and how much people consume and how much they're contributing to that. I often think the mining industry is pretty similar. I mean, in a, in a way, the answer is consume less, but you're not saving the planet driving an electric car. It's more sort of, you know, it's a public statement. It's good publicity. It's cool. I mean, but yeah, there are other ways to save the planet, other more obvious uh, ways, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as you say, like reducing consumption. So it's actually good that I've had a car that's 15 years old now. This is actually a, maybe a good thing <laughs> instead of getting a new car. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe you should be riding a bike instead, Manika, but, but, or walking. But, uh, but you Fair know, it's not, it's not practical for most people, obviously. And um, yeah, I mean, we live in Canada. It's like minus 10, two thirds of the year. So people, people want their cars, of course. Um, but yeah, people should just think more about the life cycle. And of course, the industry doesn't really want people to, to think about that for too long because um, it's kind of a dirty secret, right? The mining industry, how it works in a way. And so they don't like people looking into that side of it too much. Now, thanks so much for being on the show. This was really interesting. Oh, thank you very much. It's been great. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our intern is Emily McPhail. Michal Stein edited this episode. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.